Welcome to the Red Light Report, your number one source for all things red light therapy, where you will learn how to optimize your health, wellness, and longevity with the power of photobiomodulation. I'm your host, Dr. Mike Belkowski. All right, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Red Light Report. This is yours truly, Dr. Mike Belkowski, and we're kind of getting towards the end of summer here. So I hope you guys all enjoyed uh, your Labor Day weekend. You had fun. You relaxed. Uh, you got to enjoy the outdoors in some beautiful sunshine. Uh, just a quick reminder that next month, uh, my company, BioLite and myself, we're going to be in Miami at a biohacking congress. That's in the middle of October. The dates here are the 16th and the 17th. I will be speaking there, talking about the health wellness, and longevity benefits of red light therapy. And of course, you know, BioLite is going to have a booth there. We're a platinum partner, so we're really excited to be there. Uh, You can get tickets to go live in Miami to Biohacking Congress, or you have the option of purchasing tickets online to watch it virtually as well. For the rest of this month, for September... I will run a special for my podcast listeners. You can get a free virtual ticket. All you have to do is leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts on this podcast about the Red Light Report. Leave a five-star review. Send a screenshot to either the email info at biolight.shop or just send a DM of the screenshot to our Instagram. Uh, That's also biolight.shop. So you have a chance to... Learn from some of the top biohacking experts, top wellness, longevity experts that will be there speaking along with myself at Biohacking Congress. So you have a chance to get a free virtual ticket. Again, just send a screenshot of your five-star review on Apple Podcasts about the Red Light Report. So without further ado, let's move along to some information. Today, we're going to talk about women's health, and that's a pretty big topic pretty expansive. But for the purposes of red light therapy, there's just a handful of pieces of women's health, that sector that has some quality photobiomodulation research behind it. What we're going to go over today, at least regarding women's health, is breast cancer-related lymphedema, dysmenorrhea, and endometriosis. So we're going to learn about those three, just kind of give a brief overview of what those are, and then some pieces of the research, at least what they're saying, the conclusions, uh, just so you ladies out there uh, have an idea of the potential of what you could do with red light therapy. And then lastly, we'll wrap up with a thorough overview of a piece of research that looks at fat loss. In this case, it's with adolescents with obesity, but it could apply to anyone trying to lose fat loss, and especially in the discussion portion of that piece of literature, they talk about some of the potential mechanisms. And I get that question a lot as far as how can red light therapy reduce fat? What are the mechanisms? How is that possible? So that piece of research will uncover that bit. But let's jump into women's health. And like I said, let's start with breast cancer-related lymphedema. There's a considerable number of breast cancer survivors that suffer from secondary lymphedema due to cancer-related treatments, and that can be surgery and or radiation therapy. Despite the efforts to reduce lymphedema rates with new surgical techniques, the axillary dissection, so up by the armpit, the axillary dissection as a standard for clinically node negative patients, breast cancer-related lymphedema still remains a relevant concern. 
even with these new surgical techniques. And a recent systematic review estimated that more than one out of five women who survive breast cancer are affected by breast cancer-related lymphedema. 20% of women. This has a significant impact on breast cancer survivors, including declined physical function, increased disability, which clearly negatively affects their quality of life. So again, 20%, that's a pretty high number that are dealing with this breast cancer-related lymphedema. And over the past two decades, photobiomodulation, of course, the scientific term for red light therapy, has been promoted and researched for the management of breast cancer-related lymphedema. Red light therapy has been used to reduce inflammation, promote lymph vessel regeneration, and improve lymphatic motility, as well as reduce or prevent tissue fibrosis. In a nutshell, that's just a different way of saying that red light therapy helps reduce inflammation, improve circulation, which thus improves lymphatic motility, and optimizes mitochondrial function and thus energy within those cells to help them do their functions better or more optimally. And in this case, prevents tissue fibrosis, prevents that tissue from getting sticky and this adhering, which then would decrease mobility, which feels like tight muscles or tight skin. So red light therapy may have a role to play here. Uh, Moving along here, though, the aforementioned primary reactions stimulate a cascade of secondary reactions at a cellular level involving intracellular signaling and leading to stimulation of cytokine reactions and nitric oxide production. And of course, nitric oxide is a vasodilator, thus leading to improved circulation, both blood circulation and in this case, lymphatic circulation. Uh, Red light therapy also helps release growth factors, helps upregulate ATP, which we know, and also increase metabolism, changes in redox signaling, and increased reactive oxygen species, and therefore cell proliferation. Based on a 2017 systematic review, red light therapy in the management of breast cancer-related lymphedema is more effective for limb edema reduction than sham or no treatment at a short-term follow-up and not more effective than other conventional treatments. Data suggests that red light therapy may be an effective treatment approach for women with breast cancer-related lymphedema. And so the fact that it says it's no more effective than other conventional treatments, that's not a bad thing because it's not saying it's less effective, but it's not more than. And as we know with red light therapy, it's very safe and can be a very effective tool. So if you're comparing these quote-unquote conventional treatments like other prescription medications or other types of radiation or otherwise... But if red light therapy is giving you similar effects, not more effective, but similar, then why would you not opt for something that's non-invasive, safe, and gives you the same benefits? It's kind of similar to uh, the research that shows red light therapy is as effective at reducing inflammation as non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs. So again, why would you take these NSAIDs that have the potential of tearing up your stomach lining, your small intestines, when you can use something that's non-invasive and safe like red light therapy and get similar results. Moving on to dysmenorrhea. Dysmenorrhea is the most common gynecologic disorder among female adolescents with a prevalence of 60 to 89.5%. Common dysmenorrhea symptoms are tension, irritability, depression, anxiety, bloating, abdominal cramps, breast tenderness, joint pain, 
and headaches. That's a long list of a lot of bad things, so I feel for you ladies dealing with this dysmenorrhea. And even though dysmenorrhea has been well-defined, the cause of dysmenorrhea has not yet been well-elucidated or well-established. Dysmenorrhea is closely associated with poor contractile pattern of the uterine muscle. And so prostaglandins. Prostaglandins are important stimulators of uterine contractility. And excess production of endometrial prostaglandin may be one of the main causes of dysmenorrhea. Women with dysmenorrhea have high blood levels of prostaglandins, which are known to cause cramping, abdominal pain, and strong uterine contractions, and temporarily reducing or stopping the blood supply to the uterus, thus depriving the uterus of oxygen, resulting in contractions and pain. So, many dysmenorrhea treatment methods have been tried, and the most commonly used one is the administration of, like I just talked about, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, or NSAIDs, which are associated with a number of negative side effects like we just talked about. It can tear up the stomach lining, tear up the small intestine lining, and so on and so forth. So, things that have negative ramifications, especially long-term, for your overall health. However, red light therapy may be a non-invasive, safe option to help reduce symptoms related to dysmenorrhea. A 2011 study with 31 subjects demonstrated that all women who underwent active red light therapy treatment showed a 50% reduction in pain scores during the first or second menstrual cycles after active red light therapy treatment. 50% reduction. The finding from this study suggests that smooth muscles in the uterus might be relaxed enough to restore a normal smooth function, though extended light dose, and in this study they used red light only, they were able to, again, restore normal smooth muscle. Interestingly, they didn't use near-infrared, just red. And this research proposes that the abnormal function of parts of smooth muscles in the uterus, secondary to long-term deficient blood supply into uh, smooth muscle tissue, is caused by disease or stress. So the encapsulation of that is, Decreased blood flow to these uterine muscles, decreased oxygen supply, decreased blood flow, cramping. So if you're able to reverse that, and of course we know with red light therapy, one of the main mechanisms of how it can help so many things is improved blood flow. And so that's what that 2011 study was showing. Lastly, endometriosis. So endometriosis is present in about 10% of women of reproductive age with the incidence increasing in middle-aged women. The spectrum of possible symptoms is wide and may include dysmenorrhea, chronic pelvic pain, and pain related to ovulation, amongst other things. It can result in fatigue, infertility, abnormal bleeding from the uterus, and problems with the bladder and bowel. It also has negative side effects on quality of life, no joke, impacting on social life and work as well as on reproduction and the ability to have a family. Additional symptoms which may develop include allergies, fibromyalgia, asthma, eczema, autoimmune inflammatory disease, chronic fatigue syndrome, and hypothyroidism, as well as um, in women diagnosed with a disease after the age of 40, an increased risk of breast cancer due to prolonged exposure to raised levels of endogenous estrogen. So you can see that there's some overlap within these three women health issues alone. Endometriosis, one of the side effects could be dysmenorrhea and 
having endometriosis after the age of 40 leads to an increased risk of breast cancer, which we just talked about a couple segments ago. So there's some interplay between all of these, which is no surprise. The body is interwoven. There's many mechanisms at play. It's not just a myopic look on health. So treatment goals for endometriosis include pain alleviation, preserving fertility, and minimizing adhesions. The most common reason for a woman to seek treatment is pain alleviation. Retrospective findings show poor long-term symptom reduction from the medical and surgical treatments commonly available, and each is associated with numerous side effects. Anytime you have surgery, of course, you're going to undergo some potential long-term ramifications, or at the very least, anytime you cut yourself open, you're going to have the chance of scarring, have the chance of those fibrotic adhesions, let alone any other damage that happens going under the knife, depending on what's being done. But yes, of course, there's going to be some potential negative side effects with any type of surgery. However, red light therapy is quick to reduce inflammation and painful symptoms. A 2018 study found that pulsed high-intensity laser therapy utilizing near-infrared light showed that the group utilizing high-intensity laser therapy experienced a statistically significant decrease in severity of pain and adhesions with a highly statistically significant improvement in their quality of life. So again, that wasn't necessarily using LED panels. They were using high-intensity, pulsed high-intensity at that. So that's a unique type of photobiomodulation, but this 2018 study showed statistically significant improvements in the quality of life, decrease in pain, decrease in adhesions uh, for those women that did use the pulsed high-intensity laser therapy. This podcast was brought to you by the Longev Revive Cream. If you haven't heard of this cream before, go back and listen to the podcast interview with David Horneck, one of the people that helped create this amazing cream. The cream is specifically developed to enhance red light therapy treatment sessions. And not only that, but improve vibrational healing from the frequencies of full spectrum sunlight. The Revive includes special ingredients such as photodynamic amino acids, which helps convert UV light to red light. It increases production of this thing called fibronectin, which is said to be the holy grail of anti-aging. And then there's astaxanthin, which has been shown in clinical studies to increase skin moisture, moisture retention, and elasticity. There's turmeric, which contains an antioxidant, anti-inflammatory, and antimicrobial properties. There's copper peptides, which also has antioxidant, anti-inflammatory effects. C60 has high antioxidant power to prevent skin aging, 172 times more than vitamin C. And then there's also geranium rose, shungite, humic acids. And most of these ingredients are organic and they're all high, high quality. So if you want to check this cream out, go to longev.com. That's L-O-N-G-E-V-V.com. Or you can also find it on biolite.shop. That's biolite.shop. Let's move on. So those are the three main pieces of women health that red light therapy can help with. Again, breast cancer-related lymphedema, dysmenorrhea, and endometriosis. Next, I'm going to go through four conclusions of pieces of research that show the potential uses for red light therapy. This one's for endometriosis. Before the course of treatment began, most of the red light therapy group members felt severe pain or unbearable pain. 90% of them did. 
This was significantly reduced after treatment with the majority of participants reporting no or mild pain, 85% of them. In conclusion, high-intensity laser therapy is effective in treating and reducing endometriosis symptoms and improving patients' quality of life. So again, the females coming in, 90% of them had severe or unbearable pain, but after treatment, 85% of them reporting no or mild pain. So that's good results. Let's just put it that way. Going from 90% pain to 85% uh, reduced with no pain or mild pain. Okay, so this one has to do with dysmenorrhea. All 21 patients in the active low-level laser therapy group, LLLT, reported either complete pain relief or significant reduction in pain of their dysmenorrhea. All women who underwent active LLLT showed a 50% reduction in their visual analog scale, which is the pain scale, so a 50% reduction in their pain, pain scores during the first or second menstrual cycles after active LLLT treatment. And this is clinically significant. This one has to do with infertility, which I did not talk about, but that's because there's only one piece of research that really looks at infertility, but here's the conclusion. LLLT for women with severe infertility has been shown to have really surprising success with a pregnancy rate of 21.7% after at least four years of failure with other ART, which is assisted reproductive technology methods, and a successful birth rate in over half those pregnancies. So females that were having four years of failure, almost 22% of them were able to get pregnant with red light therapy, and half of those females had a successful birth rate. Lastly, this one's endometriosis as well, and it says, in conclusion, high-intensity laser therapy is effective in treating and reducing endometriosis symptoms and in improving patients' quality of life. It is suitable for use as an alternative conservative therapy to current medications which are associated with numerous side effects. And really, that, that conclusion there encapsulates red light therapy altogether. Red light therapy for all types of health maladies helps improve quality of life, whether it's reducing pain, improving, let's say, skin health, or improving hair health, or improving energy. You're replacing medications, or you're, you're replacing NSAIDs, or you're replacing toxic topical ointments, or what have you, and you're replacing it with a non-invasive form of light and healing. So that's what red light therapy is all about. And as you can see, there are some ways in women's health that red light therapy can be helpful. And of course, these aren't the only ways, but these are the ones in the research that are the most strong, at least that I could find right now. And I'm sure as time goes on, we'll be able to elucidate more and more ways that red light therapy can help in women's health. And of course, as those topics come out, as those research articles come out, I will report them either here on the podcast and or, you know, on Instagram or in my Red Light Therapy Treatment Protocols ebook. I'll definitely keep you guys in the loop. And lastly, let's move on to that research article that has to do with fat loss. And again, this has to do with adolescents who have obesity. And this article is from 2020, so not that long ago. And it's called A Randomized Control Trial on the Effectiveness of Photobiomodulation Therapy and Non-Contact Selective Field Radiofrequency on Abdominal Adiposity in Adolescents with Obesity. 
the study designed was that there was 54 adolescents with obesity, 33 females, 21 males, that were distributed randomly into three groups. There was the control group that got no treatment, there was the red light therapy group, and then the group that got the non-contact radiofrequency. They were all under a dietary control plan of 1,000 to 1,200 calories a day. They had 60 minutes of aerobic exercise conducted day by day over the four weeks. But additionally, the red light therapy group received 12 20-minute red light therapy sessions on the abdominal area three times a week, and the non-contact radiofrequency group underwent four 30-minute treatments on the abdominal area once per week. They measured waist-to-hip ratio, they measured intra-abdominal fat thickness, and subcutaneous abdominal fat thickness, and those were observed at baseline and after the four weeks of the study. And I'll just give you the conclusion now, and then we'll jump into the discussion portion. The conclusion was that red light therapy or non-contact radiofrequency in association with structured aerobic training are beneficial for the treatment of adolescents with obesity. Red light therapy specifically showed greater efficiency in improving waist-to-hip ratio and subcutaneous abdominal fat thickness. And it's worth noting that they were using red light only, and that also the irradiance was 3.4 milliwatts per centimeter squared. That is incredibly low because if you're using a BioLite device and you're at six inches away like they were in this study, those devices are upwards of 130 to 150 milliwatts per centimeter squared. But again, here in this research, it was only 3.4. And so the method that they were really using for this study was lower and longer, meaning their light irradiance was lower, but they were doing 20-minute sessions. And if you know about my claim to how to treat best, it's that, especially with these LED devices that have higher light irradiance, it's that more is not better. Thus, most treatments are anywhere from 5 to 10 minutes. But in this case, they were doing a much lower light irradiation, much less light power. Thus, their treatment times were much longer, upwards of 20 minutes. And so in the discussion, the researchers said that there's a strong evidence in the literature demonstrating the role of red light therapy in reducing subcutaneous adiposity and consequently improving circumferential measurements in individuals who are obese or overweight. This is substantiated by the results of the present study, which supports the role of red light therapy in reducing abdominal adiposity, as this study was able to reveal significant improvements in the waist circumference, waist-to-hip ratio, and subcutaneous abdominal fat tissue in adolescents with obesity. However, the mechanisms whereby red light therapy can affect adipose tissue are yet controversial, and this is what I talked about in the beginning. There are some mechanisms that are proposed, but they haven't been definitively proven yet. And so they go on to say that it's been hypothesized that red light therapy could induce transitory micropores in the adipocyte membrane, which permit the release of the intracellular lipids and placing it outside in the interstitial space. So in layman's terms or in normal English, they're saying that red light therapy helps release very small, uh, let's say droplets of fat that are able to leave the fat tissue and enter the interstitial space outside of the fat tissue. So for example, 
let's say typically the fat that's being stored in the tissue are like the size, the droplets are the size of softballs trying to get through a chain link fence. But what red light therapy is doing is essentially making those softballs into marbles, let's say. So now the marbles are more able to get through the chain linked fence. That's kind of what they're saying as far as that the red light therapy can induce a transitory micropores that then those small droplets of fat are now able to be released into interstitial space, released into the blood flow as triglycerides and burned off as energy. So red light therapy, again, just helps reduce that softball fat lipid into a a smaller size, a marble-sized fat lipid, so now it's able to leave the fat tissue more easily. So hence, it could be speculated that such an effect may facilitate lipid oxidation in the extracellular space. An alternative hypothesis is that photobiomodulation or red light therapy stimulates the mitochondria in the adipocytes, which in turn increases the synthesis of ATP with subsequent activation of cyclic AMP, which is just a a derivative of ATP. So the cyclic AMP activates the protein kinase, which stimulates the cycloplasmic lipase enzyme to convert triglycerides into glycerol and fatty acids, like I mentioned before, that pass through the cell membrane, resulting in shrinking of the adipocytes. So I kind of combined the two when I said that the the marbles were leaving the tissue to go into the interstitial space to be burned off as triglycerides, but they're two separate hypotheses. So one is that they literally shrink the micropores, let's say, of the fat lipids, and the other is that between the synthesis of ATP and the subsequent activation of cyclic AMP, which then leads to the triglycerides being converted into glycerol and fatty acids, which then are burned off and helping with the shrinking of the adipocytes. So those are the two hypotheses. Again, they're not strongly backed, but those are the two strongest hypotheses at this moment as far as how red light therapy can help reduce fat in your body and help with fat loss. So again, they're either shrinking the intracellular lipids, which helps them leave and place them into the interstitial space, or there's a the role being played with ATP, which helps convert triglycerides into glycerol and fatty acids, and then they shrink and get burned off that way. So I hope that wasn't too confusing, that last part there with the fat, but it's still good to know that there's research backing up the potential for red light therapy to help with fat loss. And again, very low light irradiance. So what I do is I have a red light therapy panel by my stationary bike. So every time I'm on the bike, I use red and near infrared. But the Recharge Plus, it is about uh, three or four feet away, covers most of my body. So it's not very close, not high light irradiance. It's just low and slow because I'm on the bike for about 20 to 45 minutes. And then I'm just combining, I'm using the fasted state. So I'm fasted, I'm doing some cardiovascular exercise. So helping burn fat that way. I'm not doing high intensity, just lower level for longer period. And then I'm also integrating 10 minutes or so, 10 to 15 minutes of red light therapy on the front of my body. I don't have a shirt on, so I'm getting skin exposure. And so in theory, that's helping me reduce fat loss or at least mitigate the addition of fat to my body. So anyway, that's all I have for you guys today in this episode. I just wanted to be quick and dirty with some research, talk about some women's health, talk about some potential ways that fat loss occurs with red light therapy. And then the next couple of weeks here, I have some really exciting interviews. I'm excited for you, you all to listen to, but I appreciate you all for listening. I appreciate you guys sticking through to the end. If you're still listening again, hope you had a wonderful Labor Day. 
there's only two weeks left of summer, so so enjoy it. Enjoy the color changes, and I'll see you next week on the next episode of the Red Light Report. You guys have a fantastic week. Thank you for listening to the Red Light Report. If you like what you heard today, go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes and other podcast platforms to help spread the word so other people can learn about the many health, wellness, and longevity benefits of red light therapy. If you're looking for more educational content, check out our Instagram page at biolight.shop and our YouTube channel, Biolight. I'm Dr. Mike Belkowski, and I'll see you on the next episode.